Hey, welcome to another episode of The Deep Dive, uh, in which we seek to uh, look at the passage um, or topic of focus from the weekend and just take a deeper look, have conversations around it, ask questions, try to ask more questions maybe than even find answers. Uh, but my name is Brad, and I'm joined today by Dan Borth. Hello. Also, uh, if you're listening to this, this won't uh, resonate with you, but if you're watching on YouTube, it might. Um, every week, I feel like the camera or the table or our chairs are in like a slightly different mm. spot. And that kind of messes with me a little bit for the first couple of minutes because I'm like, yeah, oh. no, I set the height of this table and I'm easily <laughs> what four or five inches shorter than you. Yeah. So this feels great yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, Anyway, hey, we're releasing this uh, a couple days later. Um, this week, last week, our staff got an opportunity to go out to Redemption Ranch, a uh, local partner. Yeah, and shout out. Yeah, had some time of worship, some time of prayer, uh, reflection, just really good group time um, yep. being together the last couple months. A lot's been going on, and uh, just having a space to separate yep. uh, was really helpful. And then, for, so for the sake of this, a lot of the stuff we work on week in, week out kind of got shifted a little bit. So we're recording this actually on Monday, the day after, uh, Dan, you preached three times this weekend. And I, I tried three tried times. To. Yes. <laughs> tried to. I, I'd love to uh, just ask you this question, just as a start. This is a real yep. like housekeeping, practical, you know, you're, you're preaching now yep. on a very regular basis. Yeah. Um, probably more regular than ever you ever have. Yes. And doing the message three times in a weekend, you're probably getting three different experiences what's that like yeah for the for the preacher for the person on the stage um sure sure yeah um man thank you for asking um i am finding that um one of the most important things to do is to find uh you know it's a there are elements where we try to be professional mm -hmm. but to find um a personal you know, way of connecting and a personal way of delivering uh, the message. And so it is interesting here at the Mid Rivers campus, at least, um, each service is very different. Like mm -hmm. the way uh, each group of people tends to react is, um, I, I don't want to say predictable, but uh, it, it is unique and sometimes it shifts. And so um, communicating is always communicating and um so I find I like that challenge. I love that. Um, I think the the thing for me that I feel, um, at least today, that I feel like, ah, oh, man, like, as, yeah, I'm, I'm really young in this. And so my weaknesses, I think, are probably amplified. Mm -hmm. You know, if I don't do something well going into the weekend, that probably reverberates a bit more. So there's lots of points of learning and connection. Um to be made and, and growth. But I really, I, behind the scenes of our teaching and, and preaching is kind of a cool, um, arrangement that, mm -hmm. that I really like. And I value, uh, pastor Chris at St. Charles, he has organized our teaching team well. And so each week we're not only preparing material and concepts together, but we do uh, get to review our sermons and we get to hear back from other communicators, you know, what went well, what we could work on. And, um, I, I love that. It, mm -hmm. it, it feels familiar. It feels mm -hmm. like baseball to me. You know, baseball, you get up, you have your at bat. And I mean, get, as long as there's not a lockout, you do. Well, I know. I'm, this, is, <laughs> this is me projecting if baseball were happening yeah, right yeah. now. Um, 
but yeah, it's like you get a couple at bats, you know, in a game or a couple reps in a weekend, and then you get to step back and then hear from other players and coaches and go back to the cage and work on mm. stuff. And so um, I, I like it. It's it's healthy. It's it's the healthiest I've experienced mm. and seen. Um, and you know, this is why the deep dive I think is so valuable too, because any given Sunday, what we share on on a weekend is. I mean, it's a it's a good percentage, mm-hmm. but it's it's far from a hundred percent of what we find out and discover as we're looking through these texts and talking these things through. And so, um, I could keep going on that, but no, it is good. I, I do love our process that we have. We have a team um, made up of more than the people who are actually just preaching. Yeah, on that's the weekend. right. That's right. Um, we end up ha- you know discussing things that that make it in, then don't make it in. The deep dive is a further spot to explore some of those things uh, as well. And how it relates to um, where we're at in this story. Uh, I I know I've read Jacob's story Mm. many times, Um, experienced different versions of the Sunday school class, you know, Sunday school version of Jacob's story. And this is a section of his story that I don't think I've really ever spent much time on. You know, Mm. I know I've I've read it. I've, I've read it. I've had graduate level classes that have involved discussing this on some level. But um, I find myself in a story like this often getting lost Yeah, because there's, there's these like high moments. I mean, everyone, you know, Jacob and Esau and Jacob and his mom, and then uh, Jacob preparing and going back uh, to uh, be confronted and greeted by Esau again and wrestling with God. Like we have those like, High high points in his story is like kind of like postmarkers, and then this one specifically in Genesis thirty and thirty one, uh, where he's kind of getting ready to prepare to leave. Um, he spent some time, you know, w- working for Laban. This one get, just get I I get real lost in the weeds. Yeah, well, and there's some strange things in here. There's um there's things that when you're reading it, I, I think you're allowed to like get the sense of this wasn't really written for me. You know, there mm-hmm. was some logic here that made a lot of sense. I'm assuming to, uh, the original readers, like, um, after they declare they're going out and Laban kind of messes Jacob over and separates the flock and dot, dot, dot. It talks about Jacob shaving certain kinds of sticks and laying those by the troughs of water. Mm-hmm. And that, it, it, it's when you read it, it sounds like almost a, a magical kind of thing. Um, although I think what it's pointing to is he was just a very shrewd uh-huh. uh, shepherd. And uh-huh. he knew that if he, you know, had a sheep with spots, mate with a sheep without spots, he would get a, a lamb with spots. And if he did two strong sheep, that would equal, you know, so uh-huh. um, I think a little more familiar to us today would be the idea of like selective breeding. Uh-huh. Um but back then, shaved poplar sticks. Why not? You know. Yeah. And then Rachel steals her father's gods, and it's like this small commentary, and moves on. And um, their dialogue even is very protracted and long as they're coming to this agreement yeah. of how they won't harm each other. And but yeah, I have an interesting yeah. uh, touch point with this passage. Um, Actually, before we get there, yes, um, maybe just take like a one minute overview, okay? Because right? again, oh, okay. we're in Genesis uh, thirty verses what twenty five through the end of thirty one, chapter thirty one. Yeah. So there's a yeah. significant chunk of scripture here. It's, it's, yes, and I, I do think that the best way that we can handle um, narrative is to to keep a broad picture of the story, yep. rather than getting lost in the that's fine right. details. Yeah, that's right. So could you just give us just an over overarching, yeah. 
um, summary? Yeah, so um, starting point and ending point. It starts, Jacob is living among Laban's family, uh-huh. married to his two daughters. Uh, if you have questions about polygamy, check the other deep dives. Um, so marries his two daughters and now is working among uh-huh. Laban's family as uh, it, it sounds like he has quite a bit of oversight over uh-huh. the flocks. <clears throat> and his 11 sons are born while they're there and his one daughter and where they end is back in Canaan, where he had set out from. If we'll mm-hmm. remember, Isaac and Rebekah had sent Jacob out mm-hmm. from Canaan to go east to find Laban. So he's been with Laban. He's going to return to Canaan. Um, where this picks up is after the birth of his 11th son, Joseph, um, and before they, re- they make it to Canaan successfully. And it kind of describes like the, the departure mm-hmm. from Laban's family. And it's pretty messy, but that's the big picture. Yeah. And so in this, uh, Jacob had, God has definitely, you know, he's been faithful to his promise and he's blessed Jacob. That's right. Um, through Jacob, Laban and his family has developed quite a bit of wealth yeah. um, and has been blessed. Yes. And so now they're making, you know, Jacob comes to this, the space where, hey, it's time to go home. Yeah. Let's make preparations uh, so that we don't go home empty-handed. Um, that you know we get what we're, what I'm due um, yep. for for what I've been, how I've been responsible, uh, you know, for for this. And then um, Laban does Laban things. He does. He, he does do Laban things. He Labanizes the he situation. He Labanizes the situation. He sure does. Um, well, and I think. So we have that snippet, right? And if we step back one frame, what we see is we see that previous to this, Isaac was carrying the blessing. Mm -hmm. Um, And Isaac's an interesting figure because in some ways he is kind of the simply the bridge between, I'm not saying he's insignificant or nothing happens with him, but he is kind of a bridge between Abraham where the blessing originated and Jacob where the blessing turns into the tribes. Mm -hmm. The really interesting thing in this is, you know, if you read all of Genesis at one sitting, when Jacob leaves his home, he's walking away from the place that God had promised Abraham. Uh-huh. And he's walking away and there, there's this sense of he's the inheritor. He's uh-huh. supposed to be there and be the blessing, but he has to leave it in order to experience the blessing in a, in a sense. And he comes back in a much different place, but all of his movements have much to do with the promises to Abraham, which have much more to do with God's promises to humanity mm-hmm. um, in the, in the larger scope. Mm, absolutely. Um, all right. So you said you had a high point unless that was it. No, uh, it's very obscure. Uh, when I was younger, I was encouraged to read scripture. And so mm-hmm. I did. And I, I think I would tried to read through the Bible, like, cover to cover, you know? So at some point in my early teens, I read through this story and the piece that <clears throat> stuck out to me, like, like you mentioned, I mean, even as an adult, there's just a lot to get lost in. Well, as a younger kid, like I, I didn't track with much of this, but the, at the end of the story, when Jacob builds, uh, the, uh, Galid, the, the pillar mm-hmm. of, of witness, um, I latched onto that idea of a heap of witness, and that became my gamer tag um, on like Xbox and stuff oh, like that's that. That's amazing. I, I have a, I was <laughs> Galid E2110, and the E2110 were tied to the New Testament. And 
<clears throat> at the time, um, you know, that was back when everyone was still trying to make emails and gamer uh-huh. tags yeah. that had deep significance. Yeah, your AOL. That's uh, right. Your, that's your right. Aim, your aim handle. Oh, that's amazing. But that's yeah, amazing. Most of my gamer tags now are much less uh, glorious. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Uh, well, one of the things I think that sticks out to me, um, especially at this point in, in the, the Jacob story, um, we don't have this much scripture devoted to Isaac. Right. Um, really, even I mean, Abraham has a has quite a bit, but it, rightfully so, right? He's the the father of you know father of the faith for the Old Testament people. Um, but I've I've often wondered why why is there so much space devoted to Jacob and mm-hmm. his story, and um, kind of even just in preparation for this, was thinking about um, the the line where where it talks about Jacob recognizing. Um, you know, his contribution to Laban's wealth yep. and prosperity. Um, and I don't know, I just kept being reminded of Genesis 12 and the original mm. call that God had for Abraham. And, and you know, we quote mm. it all the time, but the, hey, I'm going to bless you um, so that you will be the blessing and yes. the whole earth will be blessed. My name yep. will be known. And, you know, those who bless you, I'll bless. And those who curse you, I'll curse. Yep. And this is a very tangible way or space where that where we're reminded yeah. of that blessing. Yes. And so then even backtracking even more, um, and we've 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 mentioned this on, on several episodes now. Um, we have an error message showing up on our screen. Are we okay? How how quickly did that uh Yeah we're okay. We're okay. We have thirteen minutes left. No error messages here anymore. That's going to be a fun... Uh, what did it say? Do we have low tire pressure? Yeah, low uh, low space on the card left. Oh, okay. But we have okay. enough space... We're going to do it. ...to do this. So, Game on. Anyway. Uh, PTI, y'all. So the question of... Um, who is this written to? Right? Yep. This was written to the people of God who are coming out of slavery, coming out of Egypt, and they are wrestling with their identity. Yep. They're wrestling with what does it look like to live in a way um, that God will be glorified? Yeah. What does it look like to live in a way um, that is faithful to the promise yeah. that, that they have been given? Um, what does it look like to live in a way that's faithful to that promise that also results in their further blessing? Um, so there's all these things that are happening. And, and I guess the, the reflection I had was, well, at this time, the people of God are already separated into tribes, right? They have some tribal identity yes. Um, without maybe some of the bigger picture surrounding that tribal identity. Yes. And so I, I think a lot of this is um, not that Abraham's not important, not that Isaac isn't important, but maybe the most pressing question yeah, for them that's right. is, well, who are we as a family um, we have these tribe names. Who? What does that even mean? And then there's going to be a decent chunk of Genesis devoted to the life of Joseph, um, yes. which basically tells the story of how they got to Egypt in the first right. place. Yeah. So anyway, that was just kind of a reflection I had. Um, yeah, recently. Yeah, 100%. I mean, when Moses asks, Moses writing Genesis, when he asks God, who shall I say is sending me uh, to your people? Um, God's answer is tell them the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so um, <clears throat> the movements uh, mm-hmm. of the people are just as important as their identity, 
their experiences with Yahweh, good or bad, the things that they learn along the way um, become uh, foreshadowing is not the right word, but it, it's a little bit like blue eyes runs in the family mm-hmm. kind of thing or um, quiet sullenness is mm. a is a family trait they're understanding something of themselves by their forefathers experiences which in this particular passage i think um is some of the dynamic that we see in what's written here and why it's written um a really obscure thing happens in the middle of this story uh leah and rachel agree with jacob that they need to leave that mm-hmm. laban is not doing right by them um, they agree that Yahweh is calling them to go back to mm-hmm. Canaan. So they pack up and it says, um, it says in the middle uh, of the packing up and the moving, uh, I think it's chapter, um, 31 and let me, let me find it real quick. Um, <clears throat> oh, I can't find it. Um, but it, it says that Rachel went in and took her uh, father's household idols, and she packs them in their things, mm-hmm. and then they uh, travel away. Um, <clears throat> there's a question, I think, that always haunts Israel, and it's what are the people of God who know Yahweh, what's their fascination with idols? Mm-hmm. Why do they keep finding themselves choosing a lesser it's just a lesser thing overall what's well, the point that one of the ten commandments right is specifically yes, right. specifically names that that's right but they always have difficulty i mm-hmm. mean they have clear commands they have clear um i think advantage they have much less uh religious obligation like it's it's much it's just a much better mm-hmm. thing that was prescribed for israel in the mosaic setup mm-hmm. But they love their idols. And I think, um, you know, part of what this little snippet in this story is hinting at is that um, whether by intention or by ignorance, you know, the the idol, the worship of idols seems to always make its way back into Canaan. Mm. Um, and that's not a celebrated thing. Mm-hmm. That's that's almost this foreshadowing of, of tension. What are Rachel's motivations? I, I don't know. Um, maybe she's getting back at her dad. Maybe she believes there's some power in them. Um, maybe um, maybe she was hoping for another kid, and that's what, where her mind's at. Yeah, but maybe there's just sentiment, and it's like, sure. you know, grandma and grandpa's cookie jar that sure. she just wants to, you know, she's because she's getting ready to leave. Yeah. Like, leave her home. Yeah. Um, probably never see yeah. family and friends again. Okay, this, this here's a little bit of Dan's speculation, but you're pretty well studied in Scripture. So is it possible that some of what, um, in all of those things that are that are likely uh-huh. in the picture, um, <clears throat> the way the story goes, you know, she takes the idols, they get to Gilead, and then Laban catches up, and mm. Laban is pretty mad and starts looking for the idols. And Jacob mm. says, if you find these idols, whoever took them will die, which clearly we know like that would be tragic because uh-huh. Jacob loves Rachel. Uh-huh. Um, and there's this very tense moment as Laban is searching and Rachel uh, decides to sit on top of her idols and claim that she's on her period so that her dad doesn't search the the bags that she's sitting over. It's a scripture, y'all. It, it is. It is scripture. <laughs> And one of the one of the bits of commentary that I that I checked in on, I, this might have been the ESV Study Bible, which mm-hmm. was pretty succinct, but it it did point out like 
there's this there's this thing, this subtle thing that's happening that shows like the idols themselves have so like no power. You know, in fact, I think we, and this is what I want to mm-hmm. ask if I'm going too far, but part of the story that helps us understand how God is redeeming, uh, even through the brokenness and the messiness of it, is when it says that God sees. Mm. When God sees his people, he works on their behalf, the blessing happens in the earth, it expands. So we have this moment where Laban is looking for his idols and he cannot see them. Mm. The only power in an idol is if there's a line of sight Mm. by the worshiper. Mm -hmm. And I almost wonder if not only the problem of idolatry is being hinted at, but the futility of idolatry Mm. is being um, just subtly it's, it's imagery, right? And Mm -hmm. it sits and it's not named or called out, but do you think that's possible? Definitely possible. I mean, I I haven't looked at the Hebrew on this, but if the same word pops up in two, in two places, Mm. um, the, the Hebrew language for, um, you know, the, Old Testament people of God was was very meaningful and impactful to the meaning of the text itself. And so oftentimes you'd find these functions where um, in the Hebrew text they would use alliterations or words that rhymed or there'd be a a pacing or a sequence uh, to the words that what it would do is it would draw the hearer to um, places in the text that you wouldn't necessarily go immediately if you were reading it. Yep. So I think this is absolutely one of those things that it could be. Uh, again, without having the Hebrew text in front of me, I don't, I don't, I don't know. But if yeah. the same word is popping up in two different places, maybe there's a connection. Yeah, I would think. I I don't think it's the same word necessarily, mm-hmm. but maybe like a, a similar kind of image. But mm-hmm. this is a, a big brain moment with Brad going to the Hebrew text. <laughs> It's, uh, no, you're absolutely yeah. right. That's that's how we would want to approach that. Yeah, so, better than speculation. Go yeah. to the text. Yeah. So anyway, there's that um, connected to it. Yes. All right. Connected to the the idols. Uh, we only have a couple minutes until our machine's going to kick us off. Mm. Um, one of my observations here in verse 42 of chapter 31: If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been on my side, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God saw my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. So uh, this is Jacob kind of offering some insight into Laban, um, to what Laban was planning. And you know, God had, had come and he spoke to Laban and said, hey, don't do not do the thing that you want to do. Let yes. him go. Yes. Um, but this phrase, the God of my father, the God of Abraham, the fear of Isaac. Um, I want to talk about that a little bit because... Again, with Moses and the burning bush, that's the language. Um, mm. Who, who should I say sent me? Right, and and God Yahweh responds. Yep. Right, well, I am who I am. Um, that's how we translated, but basically, God and the God yep. who is in relationship and has been in relationship with your forefathers. Yeah, um, that seems to be pretty, pretty powerful, and we see that phraseology kind of come back many, yep. many times uh, throughout the first. Uh, five books of the the Bible. So yeah, you want to speak to that a little bit. Um, I I do find it interesting, and I'm glad you pointed to it. The ESV chooses to capitalize the word fear, mm-hmm. uh, fear of Isaac, as a title. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know how deep I can go on this one. To be honest, it's not a feature that I that I focused on much. I do think that um, later on in like. Proverbs, when we read about the fear of the Lord as the beginning of wisdom, um, this would be an appropriate place to 
do the same kind of work with words that you just talked about and, and understand, like, mm-hmm. it's not just a concept. That's not philosophy. Mm-hmm. It's also, ex- it's experience, mm-hmm. right? And this is what theology is, is like where heaven meets earth and, and, um, and vice versa. Um, it's interesting to me that Jacob is processing his father's story, uh, mm-hmm. his father's Yahweh story in those words. Um, again, we're not given a whole lot on mm-hmm. Isaac. Um, so I wonder if that means that Isaac lived with some sort of reverence for Yahweh mm-hmm. that was well known or um, maybe a trembling. I mean, Isaac was offered up on an altar at one point, like it, it may have been more of a traumatic and terrifying kind of thing that he carried. So um, what do you what do you think Jacob's getting at? here? Yeah, I don't know. With the word fear, um, it, it does seem there there's a reverential fear that Isaac um, possibly was known for that, you know within this family that isn't communicated in the text to us, you know, yes. 3000 years later. Yes. Um, I also think that throughout the old Testament, especially we have seen God as someone who um, can strike fear mm-hmm. in others. Yeah. Um, you think of like uh, the reaction of Abimelech, you know, uh, mm-hmm. for instance, to, to draw on something. So I, I don't know. I think there's something that's being said there, but I also think that again, who is this written to? It's written to a, a people who are connected to a family, who are connected to a history, who are connected to stories. And anything that Jacob, uh, any, anything that those people can be reassured of or reminded of, um, that's good. God is somebody who's shown yep. to be faithful. God is somebody who's shown to walk with. God has shown has shown to be somebody who uh, fulfills the things that he promises. Yep. And Laban is somebody who doesn't worship God. Right, and so there is this outside insider outsider dynamic yep. happening where, you know, this is on the tails of the household idols mm. and, um, you know, the, or the household gods that that Laban worshipped, and so there's almost this like I think a recognition or a separation or a boundary that's being drawn of like, yep. this is who I am, this is how this interacts and impacts your story here, yep. but there is a difference between you and I, yep. and that's why I need to leave. Yeah. How much time do we have? We have a minute. One minute. So probably less than a minute. Here's 20 20 seconds. Yeah. The word fear in the Bible is a really interesting one for modern readers Mm -hmm. to read, especially American readers, I think. We do many, many things to eliminate and minimize fear. Mm. Fear is a very bad concept in our world. Um, However, I'm not saying that it's a positive concept in Scripture, but it's more of a neutral thing. Mm. Like there's a reason to pause and take notice. And the question is, what is the reader going to do with it? What is the worshiper going to do with the fear of Yahweh? Mm. That's a great question for us to end with. What are you going to do Ooh. with your fear of Yahweh? Uh, well, thank you for joining us for this week's deep dive. You can find this resource and more on our website, calvary.church slash resources. Uh, for more information on this particular series, calvary.church slash relationship series and uh, if you have a question we'd love to interact with some of those in a future episode email podcast at calvary.church thanks for listening and we will catch you again next week thanks for listening to the deep dive a calvary church media productions podcast be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts